Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 110 of the GateWorld Podcast. I'm Darren. I'm David. And this is the show where two nerds talk about Stargate. This week we're talking about Visitation. It's episode 9 of season 2 of Stargate Universe. It's been a couple weeks now. We are thrown off a bit. So I wasn't here last week, and I listened to the show that you did on Malice with Diana Botsford, and it was a great show. Very entertaining, very interesting to listen to. I've only but, heard the first 15 minutes of it. I haven't had a chance oh, really? to go back and listen to the whole thing. It's long. It's a long show, but it's good. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation. I'm sad that I didn't get to be a part of it. So we've had some sort of behind-the-scenes technical difficulties with the podcast, and we're about a week behind now. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're talking about visitation this week. Resurgence hopefully will be up as soon as possible. It may be, it may be just next week, next Monday. And then the plan is to do an SGU sort of recap the season so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll take our little holiday break for a couple of weeks. When does SGU come back? Uh, Sci-Fi is saying spring. Official okay. date to be determined. If I was a betting man, I'd say that first week of April. Good. Nice little, nice little breather there. Not too prolonged. You are back stateside. I am. That's some of the behind-the-scenes craziness that's been going on as we attempted mm-hmm. to record this Visitation podcast last week and had a bad internet connection because you were home for the my holidays. My parents no longer have a Wi-Fi connection anymore. They have a... Uh, all my father has is an air card. You know, when I told him that an air card would bring him greater internet access, you know, uh-huh. because he travels a lot, I, I didn't mean for him to get rid of what he already had because now I am impeded every time I go home. I have uh, I have a small amount of bandwidth, maybe a couple of gigabytes to work with for a week, and yeah. that's it. And you know what? There, there's a, The nice thing about it is, other than checking my email and, and reading news, you can't do anything. Yeah, so then we, we took off from there and uh, headed home from Scotland. This is going to be my probably my only trip home. Uh, I may come out next year for a conference. But uh, otherwise, it's it's good to be home. So we're home now. Good. The main discussion. So visitation episode nine of SGU season two. We've we've had so much going on the last few weeks. We had the ship was testing Colonel Young in trial and error. Uh, lots of of sort of explosions going on, even though they were sort of dreamy explosions, dream explosions. <laughs> and then the greater good. We find an alien ship, and we, we have the, the clash between Rush and Young, and we, we learn about the Destiny's mission and the cosmic background radiation. Then we get Malice, and we're running around a desert, chasing down Simeon and getting revenge. And now we get the visitation, and it's just it's, it's kind of a quiet episode, isn't it? it it's sort of a, a character piece. It's meant to be slower and, yeah, exactly, a character, a character story. As I was telling Diana, and I think I maybe have told you, too, I think this is the most metaphysical episode yeah. that Stargate has ever done. And if you think That's about right. it, it is ext- it is immensely profound. Yeah, and we did a Metaphysics of Stargate podcast a, a year or so ago. A while um, ago. Sometime in the last year, you know, talking about things like, uh, you know, body swapping and, you know, being in a, a, you know, robotic consciousness. I don't remember the topics that we covered, actually. But, yeah, this episode, more than any in Stargate's history, I think, is really 
putting these questions up front and center. Well, it's saying what is a human being? You know, I think that's that's what I walked away uh, from the episode thinking. What are we? What are we made yeah. of? Yeah, that was my question exactly. So there, there's a lot of neat stuff to cover. So the setup is Kane, who now has a first name. Thank you. Robert. Robert Kane and his pals that we left behind on the planet. We were calling it the Obelisk Planet because it had that great big obelisk monument on it. They call um, it Eden. They've called the planet Eden. We left them behind in faith last season. They just suddenly show up. They went to sleep one night. and Or so they say. They, or so they say. And they, they wake up and they are in our, not only our shuttle, but our brand spanking new shuttle flying next to Destiny. It's been completely restored. In another galaxy, too. Remember, we, we've switched galaxies since we mm-hmm. left behind. Yeah, this, this powerful force, whatever it is, lifts the shuttle out of Eden and gives it uh, a wash and a wax. And over the course of the episode, we find out that, it, um, it, that whoever they are, they have restored our crew, at mm-hmm. least for a little while. But we'll get to that. And so, of course, the basic story, the way that it unfolds is the guys are back and uh, they don't know why. Apparently, the aliens have done it. And then the problems start. Uh, one of the gals, Val, I think mm-hmm. is her name. Has a hemorrhage, I think. Has this, she? yeah, this grotesque hemorrhage. And that know, was a scary scene. out of all of her orifices on yeah. her face. It was just horrible. And then we TJ does the autopsy and discovers, you know, it's not just, well, she had a brain aneurysm or something. It's that she actually has, like, blunt force trauma symptoms. Mm-hmm. Like, she has a cracked skull. We later find out from hypnosis of... Uh, Peter. Peter. That's it. That uh, he was chopping down a tree. And she got hit in the head with the tree. Mm-hmm. That's you some remember- pretty bad luck. <laughs> Yeah, of all like the things that could have killed you on this planet. Twelve people on this planet. She happens to be at the wrong place when the tree's coming down. But we remember Peter, of course, from Intervention, the season premiere. And TJ's storyline here is, is one of the big things going on in, mm-hmm. in Visitation. Because she had this dream where she woke up on the planet and um, Kane and the others had, had found these cabins that they think the aliens provided for them to survive the winter. And we, we met Peter there. And and uh, Val, Dana was the name of the other gal. Oh, Dana! It's not yeah. Val. No, she's Dana's not in this, and the actress who played her is not in this. Oh, okay. Which is another little bit of evidence that that shows us that TJ's experience was indeed just a dream and not real, um, because we find out from Peter that he was having a little something something with Val. Okay. Well, then why isn't Dana on the ship? Well, I think she is. I think all the all the people that we left behind came oh, back. Oh, okay. Okay. Just you got me confused reused. for a second there. Yeah, they didn't reuse that actress, so. And uh, TJ's baby is not aboard the shuttle. So we had a caller a couple of weeks ago who took the leap and uh, and was actually the one who posited to us that, uh, mm-hmm. that maybe what TJ experienced was a simulation, and it turns out that's probably what happened. Nailed it. Nailed yeah, it. It seems to be destiny. It, in, in intervention, it, it, the ship is recognizing who on board are important, mm. and who is important, and uh, you know, from a couple of weeks back, the ship literally stopped uh, until Young got his wits about him, 
and uh, started giving orders again. And he, he, Rush was left with the with the belief that it was him who did it. But I think it's pretty clear that the the ship decided, uh, you know, that it that that's what it was going to do. Yeah, I hope so. Camille starts uh, leading a lot of the survivors through hypnosis, and it's uh, through this that they are able to uncover what really happened. There were no cabins. Uh, the winter came and hit them hard. Most of them froze to death inside of the shuttle. Perhaps not Kane. We don't know if he made it or not. One of the big uh, threats uh, that everyone is is now recognizing could potentially be this this alien force. And and Rush, I think I think brings that up. You know, this uh, shields are not going to matter <laughs> for, yeah, right. for an alien race who can transport a shuttle clear across two galaxies. There, if they wanted to crush the ship like a bug, they could. And I think that's one of the things that uh, we're supposed to take away from this episode is that, uh, especially with making returning the shuttle and making it brand spanking new, I think one of the things that we're supposed to take away is that whoever this is, there's a good chance that they have. A uh, vested interest in our mission, uh, Destiny's mission succeeding. Do you gather that at all, or do you think that they're just being nice? The super advanced aliens. Uh huh. I think I might have missed what you just said. Why would they have a vested interest? Because they gave us an asset back. They returned our shuttle to us. They the didn't shuttle. just return. They didn't just return the people to the ship. They returned the shuttle to the ship as well. Yeah, and and some people have observed online that really. The only thing that this episode seems to do is give us our shuttle back. Yeah. I think that's a bit cynical. It does more than that, tying up that loose loose thread. And Kane, I always thought, was such an interesting character. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, uh, from a production standpoint, that's what it does. You know, that's an expensive set. <laughs> yeah, know? well, and, and we obviously, it's it's a nice uh, way to be able to tell stories is to have that, that, that exactly. little ship. But yeah, I don't think that the aliens are, are, if they know what Destiny is doing, I, I don't get the impression that they're particularly vested in it, that, that they wanted to give us an asset back. I think they probably just came along to their planet and found these guys dead and dying. And, um, you know, to, to reach the end of the story, we learned that they not only rebooted the ship, the shuttle, when they returned it, but they also rebooted our people because they found them broken, too. To what end? Uh, because uh, I think some sort of act of benevolence that they, they found these creatures here and and that they had come to this planet and landed and died there and they wanted to sort of help and sort of try and fix it as far as they understood it. Mm. So I think that what it, what it shows is that these aliens don't get it. They don't understand what we are. They don't, they don't know how to put a human being back together. You well, know, that's the most profound this, point of yeah, the episode right there. This metaphysical talk towards the end of the episode about the soul... And um, well, TJ let's go at and- this from from the top. Young observes very early on that he gets the creeps right, right. when he's around these people. Exactly. He can't stand to be around them for more than a minute. And TJ makes the same remark. She's like, I, "Don't you feel that?" Yeah. So it's suggesting that there's something missing. And I, I didn't really catch this until the second time through. I think I felt that they just had you know bad vibes about these people. Didn't have a good feeling. But it almost suggests that they can sense that these people are perhaps soulless. Yeah, they're not quite human beings. And that's, that's sort of the speculation that I think Kane gives at the end of the episode in his last scene before, before he apparently dies, is, is that that's probably what, what's going on, is that when the aliens put them back together, they didn't have any ability. If they knew about a human soul, if they knew what a human was, they, didn't, they mm-hmm. don't have the abilities to, to create human souls just to sort of 
you know, refashion bodies. They're wow. they're not in in theological terms. They have not been resurrected. They've been just sort of resuscitated. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't I don't think Cain died. Two points on that. Uh, the the minor one first. Uh, TJ says I no longer feel that way now. Mm-hmm. When she's talking with him now, she certainly could have just become used to him, which is fine. But the second point is he didn't die on the planet. He was praying. According to the Kino footage, he was praying and then he was taken. That man didn't pass away. I suspect he got awfully cold and awfully sick, uh, but I think he's still around. I I like the character. I would love it if if they came back to him at some point and said the alien showed up in the nick of time, which is what the Kino footage looked like to me. It looked like the, the everybody else was dead in the shuttle and the alien he prayed showed up and they answered time. him it's that's um, the impression that you're left with but he also he says that after his hypnosis session that he remembers dying i don't know these aliens well he did not expressly but how, something like it the these aliens don't know how to put a human being back together and so i think what happened was they showed up and found him on the edge of death and don't know enough about humans to really be able to stop it. So I think he probably died okay. and, uh, and they didn't know how to, how to save his life. So they just sort of rebooted him. Has uh, any of the, of the production team commented on this, uh, on Kane's life or death? Well, of course I follow Joe Malazzi's blog on a regular basis. And let me see if I can find the comment here. Between all the cooking tips. Okay, so here's what Joe said. He said, One could draw the following conclusion from having watched the episode. Kane and the others died on the planet, and in Kane's case, it was on the heels of witnessing that white light. The planet's caretakers or creators discovered them too late and sought to remedy the situation by restoring them to full functionality and reuniting them with destiny. However, while constructing planets is easy, resurrecting once-living beings is not, and this resulted in, for lack of a better way of putting it, each of the restored human beings having an expiration date. Eventually, the damage done caught up with their corporeal forms, resulting in all of their deaths, even Cain's, which took place off screen. It's so beautiful, man. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... I think that's right. I think that because Cain has that, that line where he says, I remember dying, I, I think that he's... As ambiguous as the end of the episode is, I think we're, we're supposed to take it that he's a goner because these aliens just didn't have any way or didn't know... How to save a dying human. Well, still, I think they're free to bring him back without violating continuity. We haven't seen his death. He died off We have not seen his death. If he died. And no one comments on it afterwards. No one said, well, they buried Cain or this or whatever they did with the bodies. I I think that's, I think this, uh, the pretty profound thing about this episode is, you know, you can, you can create entire systems of stars and big obelisks and, and flowering plant life. You cannot uh, completely recreate a human being. You can recreate a shadow of them. Yeah, I felt a lot. Have you seen Steven Spielberg's AI? Yes. I felt a lot like that from the scene uh, with the mother at the end. These advanced uh, beings are unable to to uh, bring back a human for more than a day, and then she's gone again. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that case, I think we're supposed to infer that uh, she really is all there. Although you know, it's one of the most cheesy endings of a film that I've <laughs> ever seen. Uh, did you get that feeling? I, re- I watched AI in the movie theater, and I never watched it again because I hated it. I hated it, and I hated the ending so much. Hating was, uh, ending was terrible, yeah. yeah. Did I get the impression about, about these aliens? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know what? Science fiction has always done so well 
as a genre is science fiction is great in terms of in terms of its anthropology in terms of the way that it understands human beings mm-hmm. uh, human persons metaphysically what constitutes a human person and then how human how human beings sort of live together socially these this is sort of the realm in which science fiction operates when it's at its best mm-hmm. uh, that's what makes visitation i think such a strong kind of classic science fiction story is it's dealing directly with this. And, and the message that I take away from the episode is these aliens, for all the things that they could do, they're, uh, I take it to be, you know, probably in a lot of ways more advanced than even an ascended ancient. For all the things that they could do, they could create a star, they could create a planet with an ecosystem, yeah. they created this whole solar system, they can put together our, our ship. You know, they can sort of, of uh, it, it looks like a brand new shuttle, fresh off the line. Uh, and even bringing back human bodies, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they can't recreate a human. They're not God. They're not creators uh, in that sense. And it, The ancients what, could never resurrect the dead either. I mean, they could, they could clone. They could uh, reassemble shadows of human forms. Mm. But they could never bring the dead back to life. Yeah, and what that says to me is that the human person is a is a um, a wonderful and mysterious thing, even a, a super advanced, you know, alien, who has fantastic knowledge, infinitely ahead of our own, still can't master that thing. And I mm-hmm. think it's a, that says something very very significant about what it is to be a human, mm-hmm. uh, a human who is not just sort of uh, an evolved collection of of cells. Mm-hmm. But is you know something more than than the sum of the parts, something more than what was what could be resuscitated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's basically what this episode says. Did you notice the uh, the scene between Lisa Park and Greer mm-hmm. on the observation on the deck. observation deck? Yeah, there's a beat of the two of them, and uh, there's yeah. uh, there's a suggestion of some uh, continued romantic interest, some familiarity. Mm-hmm. Although I'm still convinced that Volker just is absolutely in love with her. Oh, really? I'm not sure if it's if it's uh, reciprocated at all, but I think he's just nuts about her. Just smitten, huh? What about Chloe? Your uh, your discussion points don't uh, bring up Chloe at all. This is What's going uh, on with Chloe in this episode. She is saying her goodbyes. She mm-hmm. is recording kino footage and telling everyone goodbye, which I, th- this is one of my, one of my issues with this episode. I think this is, it, it doesn't feel, this feels rushed. I mean, this, this feels like the Chloe story. You know, yeah. Yeah. It feels like, why, why are we doing this? You know, I mean, at the rate that things are growing on her, she has like a year before she transforms fully. Mm. I mean, why are we doing this now? I guess, I guess she wants to do it now because, you know. When you get into your middle age, or you, I, I know a lot of people who who write their wills, their fifties. So I mean, they, I think she has some time left, and she wants to uh, get everything written into the kino, spoken into the kino, I guess, um, before she starts really losing herself. Because I think, I mean, she even says to Scott, she says, "I, I don't even know if I, if I want you to save me. I mean, this is like, I'm getting, I'm getting so neutral yeah. toward this thing, this transformation." Right. But the whole thing with Greer uh, going in there, and he truly cares about her, but, I mean, he's recognizing that sooner or later she is going to become a threat, and he's probably going to be called upon to stop it, was a great scene, but it still felt so premature, you Mm. know? 
And you and I have seen the finale, and so I mean, haven't you seen the finale? Yeah, the mid-season finale. Yeah, yeah, the the mid-season finale, and even then, you know, it's like, well, I kind of understand it now, but still, there's something that feels very premature about it. Um, yeah, but she's still just great got acting. A little, a little skin uh, irritation on her leg and on her arm. Yeah, I know. Just scratch uh, it, it off, hon. It's um, it, the storyline itself is is sort of drawn out uh, quite a lot. It's been since Pathogen. Um, really early on, since the beginning of the season, since since she healed so quickly from her bullet wound in Intervention, mm-hmm. um, that this storyline's been going on. You know, she's been locked up in this room since what trial and error. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's she seems to have a lot of time. It's mm-hmm. it's progressing really slowly. And the thing is, is if she's slowly being taken over, you know, mentally as well as as physically transformed, how can you really pinpoint one day where she's uh, no longer herself when she's when she's on the mission for well for the bad guys i think that at some point what is supposed to be kind of assumed i think is that at at some point here her programming is going to flip on and i know know, but how can you pinpoint that date if it's really such a gradual transition if it takes like two years for the mm-hmm. transition, then how can you identify a single day or a single hour where it actually flips like a switch? I'm not when sure. When the aliens will. show up outside of the ship and she's triggered, I I think that uh, I think that that's probably what's going to happen. I think that there's a good chance that that's gonna that that's gonna happen. They're going to show up, and she is going to be activated. Yeah, that's that's kind of my outstanding question is. Is this transformation just sort of preparing her so that somebody can mm-hmm. flip a switch and activate her? Mm-hmm. Or is it a transformation that is just really gradual, and at mm-hmm. some point, she just loses herself? I think one of the stolen opportunities here has been, uh, you know, what is it that's, that's causing her to transform? What originally did this to her? And mm-hmm. I remember reading an interview with one of the producers who just, I mean, basically said, you know, it's the, it's the blue aliens that did this to her. You know, I was like, well, yeah, I think that's kind of a, I mean, I didn't just assume that at the beginning. I think that's, I think that's kind of a, a lost opportunity there. I mean, what, hmm. what is it that did this to her and when? Oh, it's the aliens. Oh, okay. I mean, well, she, she right. was abducted by aliens. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be the obvious. But so was Rush. She hasn't really been doing much else, has she? I mean, this was one of our complaints in season one was she didn't really seem to be contributing all that much. Mm-hmm. In terms mm-hmm. of off the ship, you know, she gets to go off world in Lost, in uh, Human, and continuing through Lost. Mm-hmm. But you know what happens to her there? Yeah, that could potentially result in her this transformation. This character has felt a lot like Kess to me, and you know, you notice that a couple of the other officers uh, have been getting some medical training from TJ. But I think if Chloe was one of them, I think that that would probably have been a little too a little too close to home. But she needs she needs to have a role. You know, I mean, the, one of the things that Young says when he's talking with the crew from the shuttle, you know, you will all be given duties pretty soon uh, to pull your own weight. What was Chloe doing before she was locked up? Listening I mean, to her iPod. She has a task. It's just I'm sure she does, and she was helping out with with uh, some stuff with Camille at one point. You know, but mm-hmm. uh, I th- I think she's going to have a very specific role, and I wouldn't be surprised if the character gets off this year. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if her uh, if she has if she has her moment and then she's done. You know, like like with Simeon, I yeah. was I was I expecting mean, much more from that character, and and you know once he was done, they let him go. Yeah, and I I really agreed with your your quibble, or I think it was Diana's quibble last week about Malice and Simeon was when we heard that Robert Nepper was being cast for a seven episode arc. 
I, I expected more from the character. And really, the character was... It, it was just sort of all leading up to this episode, wasn't it? It was, mm-hmm. this guy's on board. He's going to kill somebody who we've gotten close to. And then and we're going to have this episode. Chloe is, is obviously much, much, much more than that. But still, she's kind of... Uh, I don't know, she's kind of a plot device in some mm-hmm. ways. She she hasn't had quite the same let's get inside her head and see who she is. Mm-hmm. I don't know, at least from my perspective. The scene with Greer is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and both the actors really do a bang-up job with it. Greer is this military guy who uh, the two of them both know that the day is going to come where he's going to have to come knock on that door and take care of her. You know, he's sort of already keeping her at a distance, you know. she He wants to say his goodbye, but he refuses to let her hug him. Yeah, kind of cold. Sort of, sort of a cold and jolting thing. Uh, but you know, just like when he, when he goes after Lieutenant Scott, you know that he's got sort of everyone's best interests in mind. Mm-hmm. He just has a really specific way of going about it, very mm-hmm. calculated. And Chloe's response is, is very understanding and sort of a very beautiful moment of forgiveness for something that has not happened yet, but that mm-hmm. they both recognize is going to happen and must happen. Yeah, Those are the sort of little insights into her character that I think uh, really service her well and help her to be more than just sort of a, a plot device. What if the Chloe that's on the ship is not Chloe? What if she came back in space as a uh, Rush rescued somebody else? What if, they re- what if Rush rescued a copy? Hmm. What if Chloe's still over there? That'd be pretty wild. I mean, I remember DS9, they did it with Bashir. Yeah, that'd be a pretty pretty long game. Pretty long cone for the payoff. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I would be surprised if they if they did that. It'd be bold, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be cool. Final thoughts on this one? Again, it's, uh, it's heading us into the mid-season finale with sort of a breath, sort of a quiet beat where we just sort of... We get our friends back, and then uh, nobody really thinks of them as our friends. They're just sort of these weird people that we thought we left behind, and they creep us out now, and then they mm-hmm. die. I think that's the TV Guide uh, official logline for this episode. What it does is it provides us with a great sort of envelope for this metaphysical reflection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something that, that Ty Runyon, the actor who plays uh, Kane, does so well. These really just sort of reflective conversations with TJ, and this this last scene between them is is a beautiful thing, and it's beautifully written. But where he's got these lines like, uh, you know, somewhere uh, the real Cain is is up there in heaven, looking down, and and is uh, uh, you know so impressed that that you would be here giving comfort to a shadow. Mm-hmm. It's 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 really interesting stuff, and I I appreciate having a slower one, I guess, before we get to the big bang-up finale. I, en- I enjoy these episodes. I, I really, really do. These are episodes that SG-1 couldn't have done extremely well, and these are, episode- these are the kinds of episodes that Atlantis couldn't have done at all. I like it a lot. And it's, you know, to borrow from Gandalf, it's the deep breath before the plunge, you know, because, <laughs> I mean, the next episode is the plunge, obviously. A couple of my friends didn't care for it, uh, didn't care for this one. They, th- they, thought it was fu- they thought it was filler. They thought it was a filler story. Hmm. You know, let's, let's save some money so that, we can, uh, so that we can blow stuff up in the next one. But I really, I, I, like, the, I like the obelisk aliens. I, um, I liked that notion of a, of a race of beings that we, uh, that we couldn't peg 
because that's all we do. That's all we do in Stargate is we peg. We we get measurements and, and data and information and, you know, you lay still long enough and you think happy thoughts long enough and you can ascend. I hate that. I hated that. Mm. And here is something that we can't quantify, at least for now. We probably will ultimately quantify it, and I think that that would be a real crying shame. I think that the strength of an episode like, like Faith would have been, and one of, one of the cooler things, my choice, would have been to leave it on its own and never return to the planet like mm. they did in the, in the pilot, like they did in the first episode in this season. Never return to those people. You just have to take the episode on Faith. And the, the more that they, the more they go back to it, the more they bring the people back, the more, the more they, they get into it, the less mystical it becomes and, and the more quantifiable it becomes. And I don't like that. But the ending of the episode, I think, really pushes it back into a very comfortable zone for me where you see this white light and you know in your gut that there is an energy out there, a force out there that is good and kind and benevolent that you can't peg. Yeah. Do you think that there could possibly be any connection between this race or this being or this force and what destiny is searching for? I think it is profoundly likely. I think it is profoundly likely. We're, you're that that infinite, you know, energy, whatever have you. You know, we 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 started finding the ancients long before we realized what they were. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I mean, you you look at uh, you look at maternal instinct, and then the revelation at the end of season six. You now, Brad is good at setting stuff up, so setting yeah. stuff up that provides genuine payoff. Now, yeah. This will get paid off. Yeah, just think about the fact that we're headed for, you know, if we're trying to figure out what happened at the beginning of the universe, the creation of all things. If there was an intelligence that played a part in it, mm-hmm. uh, then it can be, I think, called a creation. Uh, mm-hmm. of some sort, then oh, here you go. Here's an advanced species that created a solar system mm-hmm. that seems impossible to have done. So You know, there, there's, a, there's a great series out there called Through the Wormhole with Morgan Freeman that I know for a fact Robert Cooper enjoys. And, you know, if, if you want to perhaps get some insight or, or uh, uh, maybe, maybe, I'm just speculating, but maybe a preview of what's to come, watch the uh, Through the Wormhole episode, What Happened Before the Beginning? Mm. And it talks a lot. It talks about parallel realities interacting with each other and and sharing uh, matter and material that that they collide with one another occasionally. And that that's a that's a potential theory for the Big Bang. You know, maybe what what uh, Stargate is getting at is that uh, the Big Bang is uh, a communication with another reality. Who who knows? Who knows? It's a very interesting episode. Go check it out. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? It's time for quibbles. So my quibble is teeny tiny, infinitesimal sort of production design question, which is the aliens recreate our shuttle from scratch, perfect and from, from the day it rolled off the assembly line, and it, it flies in. We see this exterior shot in the, in the teaser when the shuttle arrives. The shuttle has a paint job. Did you see the red on the shuttle it does it looks like the the sort of the back portion the aft portion and the tail fin have like a red paint job huh and i'm wondering before you know how do these aliens possibly know what the shuttle was painted to look like if it is in fact paint maybe it was just their own sort of uh, creative flourish i'm not sure there there's a there's a top-down shot of the uh, of the destiny i was looking at the dome 
And I think they've updated the dome as well. But I, I need to go back to earlier episodes to see if there was a shield, if there was shielding over the over the dome and, and spots where it was damaged. I think there is. Mm. So you know, those are little details that I look for a lot that I think are are really um, important, like like a paint job on the side of a shuttle. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a space Stargate having eight chevrons instead of nine. I mean, that's unforgivable <laughs> in my opinion. That is an unforgivable detail. I mean, come on. <laughs> so. We didn't talk about that that new hydroponics lab. No, we didn't. No, we we've, didn't. We've moved into one of those big dome rooms, and and mm-hmm. I think there's a shot of one of those robots still affecting yep. repairs. Yep, it's working on it's working on the wall of the. I think that the the dome. I think that's the only one aboard the Destiny. Uh, they mentioned this in Trial and Error that uh, they were they were working on turning it into a, a hydroponics bay, and right. Young takes them off of the assignment to to work on uh, repairing the uh, oh. the damaged uh, turrets. Fix the uh, guns. That are, yeah, that are that are um, uh, exposing certain areas of, of the ship to a vulnerable attack. So, but we see it in this episode, and that was very cool. That was yeah. very cool. I'm glad that, that that space has a use. I just hope we can have scenes in it. Yeah, I like that we're expanding out into into more of the ship. Mm-hmm. My quibble. What's your quibble? My quibble. In trial and error, Eli can see that the computer is using a great deal of memory and resources to run a program in Colonel Young's head. If what TJ experienced was a program in uh, the, the first episode of this season, if mm-hmm. she experienced a program, uh, which supposedly as well required a great deal of memory, shouldn't the computer have a record of it? Can't, hmm. she go to TJ, can't TJ go to Eli and say, I want you to look something up for me in the computer's history. About this time, during the firefight with the Lucian Alliance, was the computer... You know, spending a great yeah. deal of memory. Yeah, that driving that be, me insane. <laughs> that would be the skeptic's way of approaching her sort of supernatural experience. She certainly could have, but she probably wasn't thinking about it because she wanted it to be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wonder if Destiny's computer does keep logs of, you know, how how much of its CPU it was using at any given time. It makes records of everything else. I'm sure that that's in there. Because obviously we couldn't spot it while it was happening because we weren't in control of the ship. We didn't have access to the to those systems at that point, I don't think. Or did we? Well, it would have been up to the Lucian Alliance. It would have been up to Gin to come forward and say, hey, when you were supposedly having this, this experience lying in the infirmary, I happened to notice that the ship was using an awful lot of its processing power. Hmm. Listener mail. Well, David, as you said last week, we got buckets of voicemail on uh, Malice and on other topics that didn't make it into last week's extra long, extra wonderful show. I prefer oodles. So, you know what? We didn't get any voicemail, actually, on visitation or or other topics this week. I think because we dropped off the radar, we sort of lost our our voicemail callers. So we have lots of listener mail to get to from last week. Uh, Some interesting stuff. Let's listen in. Hey, this is Luke from Athens, Georgia. Uh, I just wanted to comment on your guys' discussion about the uh, overall mission of Destiny and how there's, you know, only five years if that's what they're planning for in the run. And I started thinking about the gates. And we all know that, or we assume that they've been put down there for the crew to help out uh, whenever they got there so they they get resources. But things in Destiny never seem that simple. Things always turn out to have a bigger purpose. And 
maybe you know we're just using them uh, as we can. So maybe the gates are part of it. Maybe there's some sort of chain that's being created or Destiny's planning them in a certain way to do a certain thing. We always learn new things about the gates, and it, it seems like there'd be more than one purpose to such a long and costly endeavor to build ships to go in, fr- in front of Destiny. So I just wanted to hear what you guys thought about that. Thanks. Hey, this is Luke from Athens. I obviously jumped the gun on my first question. Uh, I had another thought, though, and it was brought up by the the final uh, caller on uh, this past episode. With all the technology and with all the money and personnel that go into the Stargate program, which has to be very, very, very big at this point with all the ships and off-world bases and forces and all the money being spent on all of that and all the resources being consumed, how is it still secret? How is it even possible that it's still secret? Someone would have found out, found out where all this money was going, or someone would at least be asking very, very loudly, a lot of people. So I'm wondering, uh, do you think they're going to address this on the show at, at some point, at some point if ever, or is it just going to be you know, out of sight, out of mind, since we're on the ship all the time? One of your thoughts. Thanks, guys. Bye. Hello, this is Mark from... Michigan, and I have a very few quick questions. I'm a huge Stargate fan. I started with the movie, and then eventually I got suckered into the TV show pretty much around the end of Atlantis, but now I'm a huge fan, and I've been watching Universe from the beginning, and I'm a huge fan, and I had a couple questions going forward. First question is, do you think we'll ever get any of the veteran cast from either Atlantis or Stargate or or SG-1 in this show, and if we did, who would you want it to be? Because I was thinking that uh, my favorite character in the whole Stargate universe, uh, whole Stargate, uh, the universe of Stargate itself, is Daniel Jackson, but I don't necessarily know if I want him on this show. He doesn't fit in with this dynamic. He's, I think he's a character that's best left out. Second of all is, do you think, um, being a veteran watcher, seeing almost every episode of every show, I think I might have missed one or two due to that my discs had disc read errors, but seeing almost everything, do, uh, they have shown us different things, like, do you think we might see the furlings? And there was an episode, I think, in season four or five, uh, it was a finale or a premiere, I think it was the premiere, where the replicators, it was a premiere, where the replicators um, are, on a shi- are, are, are on a ship, and they're fixing the ship and making go really, really fast, and we see an alien ship from another galaxy um, and we never got any reference to where it is. Do you think they might be in that galaxy? And do you think, um, and I don't think they are, but do you think it's possible they might be somewhere near the Ori galaxy and we might actually see the Ori Stargates? These are questions I'm actually wondering, and I want to know because you guys are mythology buffs and you know all of this, what do you think and what are your opinions on this? Because I'm a huge Stargate fan and I love, and I would love to see what you think. Thank you, and have a good day. Thanks, everybody, for your calls and for your great thoughts on Malice. Um, We've got the mid-season finale left to talk about. We're definitely going to devote a whole show to talking about resurgence. So it is not too late to call into the podcast hotline and tell us what you thought 
of the mid-season finale. That's episode 210, Resurgence. Uh, Give us a call on the podcast hotline. I'm not sure when this show is going to get recorded. We're off our schedule. So call us uh, sometime this week. If it doesn't make it into that show, we'll make sure it gets into the next show. Uh, And that number is 951-262-1647. Call anytime. You can also email in a brief audio recording, MP3 format preferred, to webmaster at gateworld.net. Now, I just saw Resurgence uh, at the end of the week. Uh, So I was actually flying. I was traveling the day that it aired. And then what I didn't tell people was that we got stuck in Amsterdam and they had to mm-hmm. stay overnight in Amsterdam. So we were actually traveling for two full days to get from the UK to the West Coast of the US. Mm-hmm. So I just finally watched Resurgence uh, a couple of days ago. And I am, mm-hmm. I'm definitely formulating my thoughts. I'm, I'm trying to you know, decide what, what I, what I want to talk about when we do this one in a few days. That should be up around on or around Monday, December 13th, about a week from now, uh, for Resurgence. And then again, before Christmas, we're going to do SGU Season 2 so far. Around, we reflect. Uh, we'll reflect around December 20th. And then we will uh, deck the halls and have a little eggnog and whatever else you do. Do you drink eggnog? I hate eggnog. Uh, it's kind of an acquired taste. Yes, it is. Like beer. I hate beer, too. Yeah, that's an acquired taste. So then the thought is we'll take a couple of weeks off for Christmas and New Year's and come back in January. And one thing that we definitely want to do is we want to have a show about talking all about Destiny's mission. And I think mm-hmm. we've, we've already agreed that that would be a good one to try and get Diane Turnshek back on to be our sort of science expert. Yeah, I have a lot of questions for her now, especially after this episode. Yeah. You know? So that's the plan for the next month or so. Two more shows after this one before the the holiday break and we definitely appreciate you guys tuning in uh thanks for being patient with us when we lost yeah we apologize yeah it's kind of a bummer um and thanks also to russell for his time in editing the show yes sir and uh we're gonna whip out resurgence as quickly as we can it might be next monday might be earlier if we can get it done give us a call on the hotline we want to have have as many other voices on the show as we can we want to get your thoughts on what i think is a very big and very important episode of stargate universe again we're going to be hearing news about the renewal uh, or cancellation of the show in the next couple of months um december or maybe january i think we're going to know the show's fate so resurgence is the last episode of the show before we know whether or not there's going to be a season three and when we come back in april to talk about episode 211 we're going to know if there's going to be a season three or not. So definitely it's sort of a threshold point for SGU, I think. Podcast feedback thread. Pay us a visit. Say hello. And uh, life-saving show notes are up on the site. Before we go, what would you think of Harry Potter? Yeah, yeah. Harry Potter 7.1. 7.0. 7.0. I liked it a lot. I loved, loved the book. I I love the fact this movie is an extremely faithful adaptation of the book. Yeah, I'd have to say so. I'm at chapter 11, I think. Yeah, and um, it's it, you know it's sort of a part one of part two. So it's not it a it's not so a complete much. story. It's not even a full Harry Potter story because you know it doesn't sort of build up to a grand confrontation Crescendo. between Harry and Voldemort at the end. Mm-hmm. So I found the climax that they chose for the film. It's obviously a sort of a big beat in the book. It's a logical point to break 
break it up. And, and I'm really glad they didn't try and cram all of all of book seven into two and a half hours. Yeah, um, I don't think it would have been very good. Really tough because they take a lot of time to draw out a lot of stuff in this uh, in this first film. There's a lot of silence, which is rare for this movie because they're so busy, busy, busy expositing, expositing, expositing. Yeah. Yeah, but, and they would have to cut out so much of that quiet stuff just to hit, just hit the plot points fast mm-hmm. and furious. Because so much of the first part of the book is literally what you saw in the movie. If you haven't read the book, it's mm-hmm. it's the three of of the kids just sort of wandering around without enough information, trying to figure out what to do and where to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the first film that doesn't take place at uh, at the school, mm-hmm. and a lot of my a couple of my friends have commented that. Uh, the movie has a doesn't have the right tone. It's missing a lot because the supporting players, you know, namely Maggie Smith, isn't even in this one. I mean, mm. they're they're not holding up the ceiling. Uh, you have them at the beginning, you know, but it's largely you know you're you're relying on these three actors to carry the majority yeah. of the film without the supporting cast. And that's uh, exactly they, right. But it's also exactly the way the book is. Yeah. The book is, at least in the beginning, is is just that much different from the six mm-hmm. books that came before it. And it's because, not really wanting to give away any big spoilers from the previous film, if you haven't seen six yet, but what happens at the end of chapter six, it really sort of cuts the cord that ties Harry and his friends to Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Very much about uh, what are we going to do now that our support system is gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because this is, you know, we're in all-out war now with Voldemort and his forces and the Death Eaters. And it's it's got to come down to Harry because it's, it's you know, it's not the forces of good against Voldemort. Ultimately, at the end of the story, it has to be Harry against Voldemort. Mm-hmm. So his support system has to fall away. All of his, his friends and, and the Order of the Phoenix have to ultimately prove to be insufficient to stop mm-hmm. Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, at the end of season, at the end of season four, <laughs> the end of uh, the fourth movie was supposed to be that confrontation, you know, and, and we didn't we didn't find out. And it's 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 uh, remarked on it uh, at the in in book seven and and in the seventh film that they that those those uh, those two wands cannot annihilate one another, right? Which I thought was an interesting revelation. It kind of makes that whole sequence moot, you know. All they can do is just shoot pretty lights at one another, and all the wands can do is just foam. <laughs> yeah, so. well, when it happened in 4, you thought it was maybe Harry was the super powerful wizard um, that just hasn't really grown into his own yet because he's he's still a kid. No, the uh, wands are just connecting. But he's got it within him to hold off Voldemort, and that's not really the case. It's it's the fact that the wands have the, the same core from the same phoenix. Mm-hmm. Is it is you finished you finished uh, the book you've read it? Do we find out which phoenix is responsible for giving those uh, those feathers? Not that I recall. Okay, I was always thinking that it, it had to have been Fox, but I guess that doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's the only phoenix that we know. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think that it's ever specified mm-hmm. as Fox. Maybe the Harry Potter experts can correct me. <laughs> no, but that fact that it, that Harry is just kind of uh, an ordinary kid in an extraordinary circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's not this sort of super powerful wizard who just hasn't grown up yet. That mm-hmm. definitely plays out at the end of the story. He's, he never was actually that good a student. I mean, right. he's not Dumbledore. You right. know? He's kind of he's an everyman. Not, yeah, check it out if you haven't seen the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good movie. 
come back next week everybody and um, we've got a few more shows in us as 2010 is winding down and so is my energy yes definitely for holiday from gate world this is darren this be david and we'll see you back here next week for more of the gate world podcast 